Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited to have my guest in Rob Crane, Senior Director of Corporate Partnerships with the Boston Celtics. And we're going to talk a little bit about Rob's journey, sales, uh, the motivation behind sales and culture, um, his stops along the way. Nonetheless, Rob, I'm just excited to, to chat as uh, you also have your own podcast, Front Office Features. So it's always good, you know, podcast host to podcast host. It's fun. Jake, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I appreciate the shout out about Front Office Features. Front Office Features is a uh, wonderful thing that I really enjoy. Um, but I'm here excited to talk to you too. And uh, like, let's get into this. This is this is going to be good. I couldn't tell you the last time I was interviewed on a podcast. Um, so this being the guest is kind of nice. Yeah, well, I, just a little tidbit for our listeners. Uh, we will uh, maybe do some sort of roundtable in the future. I think it, it'll be cool to kind of do uh, a few things with, with each other and as it relates to the podcast. And um excited to come on yours as well uh here here in the coming weeks yeah we're, we're we got that schedule we were just talking about it. i was like i don't know it's, it's sometime in uh scheduled on the on the calendar i was like yeah we'll, we'll get it but yeah we got some we got some collabs coming up which should be good yeah and i think what's fun is is rob you've had a career where you've gone through both uh the minor league side uh you know professional sports side as well as some other endeavors. And I think it'd be cool just to give a quick GPS of your journey uh, and really maybe a little bit of the why behind each move uh, would be kind of interesting as well. Yeah, cool. Um, so I appreciate that. The GPS, I'm stealing that, right? Like I stole another one when someone's like, I'm not a comic book guy, but someone said origin story. And I was like, oh, that's a good one. The GPS thing, like if you listen to front office features again and I drop that with an, a person, I'm... I'm not giving credit. I'm just straight stealing. Okay, Jake. Perfect. Um, all right. So uh, I went to Springfield College, Springfield, Mass. Uh, played baseball there, and uh, I was a sport management major, and totally screwed up my entire college life uh, when it comes to uh, trying to figure out like how to get a job. Uh, I went to Springfield thinking that I was uh, main reason, like you have such a great alumni, right? Springfield college, for those who don't know is jock college, right? Like 75% of the, uh, student body played a sport, whether it was intramurally or, uh, varsity. And I was that, right. Played baseball. It was jock college. So all the people who came out of there are people who come, uh, many people who go into sports, right. Whether it was athletic training, it was PE sport management, the whole thing. So one of the reasons I went there was I was like, man, the alumni base there is great. And for four years, I didn't talk to one alum, right? Like I didn't do anything. And um, so I was kind of behind the eight ball. I didn't really know what the heck I wanted to do. Um, nothing. I had no idea. Um, I was lucky. I got an internship with the Houston Texans, mainly because I met the general manager, Charlie Cashley, um, 
on a bus at Epcot Center and I was wearing a Springfield College tee and he was a Springfield College grad. That's exactly how it happened. Um, wow. So anyway, so super lucky to get an internship with the Texans. That was in 2004. So the Texans were like only in existence for like a year or two. Hold on. I have a quick question on that because you run into the GM. Like, did you even know who he was? No, I had no idea. I had no idea. So I am. uh, So the quick story of this is I am going into my freshman year of, of Springfield. My, one of my really good buddies, family had a timeshare down in Disney. So after we graduated high school, it's like, Oh, we can all go down to Disney, use the timeshare. It'd be nice summertime, whatever. And it was cool. So I'm wearing a Springfield College t-shirt. I'm on the little bus taking you to the different things. And I'm on my way to Epcot Center. And this guy comes up, sits next to me, and he goes, uh, nice t-shirt. Uh, he goes, oh, no, he goes, he didn't say nice t-shirt. He says, do you go to Springfield? And I said, I will in the fall. And he goes, oh, yeah, what are you studying? And I said, I was going to be studying sports management. And uh, I don't really know what the heck I wanted to do. But, um, you know, this is this is kind of it. And then we just kind of clicked and started talking. And he sticks his hand out. He goes, hi, I'm Charlie Cashley. I'm the new general manager of the Houston Texans. And I went, what? <laughs> right? Like, this is how it works. Um, and uh, he goes, and we hit it off. And he goes, when you need an internship, you let me know. Now, and- quick lesson quick lesson for the audience listening. Just because you wear your college T-shirt around doesn't mean that you're going to get uh, a quick interview with the GM. You know, with a general manager of an NFL team. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, it was, you know, talk about incredible luck. Um, but not going to like, you know, it was before email and all that. Like, we would, uh, so I wrote him a letter, a legit letter my senior year. And I was like, hey, you remember me? We're on the bus at Epcot Center in Springfield. That's exactly how the letter started. Um and then maybe like a few months later, I get a phone call from the hiring people of the Texans and went through the whole process and uh, I got the job. Wow. Now was a training, that was a training camp intern and in operations. So what that meant was, so what a start and also what an end. So during the time I was thinking, I was like, all right, maybe I want to go into like player personnel and like that type of stuff. And I've got this operations gig. I got the in to be able to do this. So I tell one of my colleagues, I was like, you know, operation side. So what was I doing during training camp? I was literally driving players to the airport. I was picking up trash. Like I was putting, you know, things down on the ground. Like I was grunt labor, uh, which was fine. And, you know, we worked 120 hours a week. It was wild. And it was no matter what. But I said like, hey, like, what about this scouting stuff? Like, I'd like to raise my hand and say something about that. Like, all right, cool. Like, you seem like a good enough guy. So what they did was they put me in a dark room with a TV and a VCR. And they're like, all right, you're going to have quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. When they touch the ball, you watch the game. When they touch the ball, you hit record. And record and literally record and play. And then stop after the play. Watch the next play. If they touch the ball, record and play you know, rewind, record and play, record and play. Like, and I was in a dark room with one of those TVs. Like, I don't know, I'm 41, right? They would, when I was in middle school, like they would wheel TVs in on, uh, Parts. Like, uh on that metal crate. And then you would watch TVs in like middle school, right? Yeah. That's what I had. And I had a little remote control that was tethered to the VCR. 
And so I was doing this for wide receivers and quarterbacks and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was one of the quarterbacks. Dan Orlovsky was one of the quarterbacks. Um, anyway, so one of them. So one day I am driving. I had to drive Charlie. Charlie asked to be driven to the airport by the Springfield guy. I said, all right. Didn't know your name. Just Springfield guy. That's right. Like, give me the Springfield guy. I said, all right. So I went. I'm driving to the airport, and, you know, after exchanging general pleasantries, he's asking, what are you doing? I said, you know, I'm doing the operations of uh, training camp, driving the players to and from and, you know, all, all that stuff, having a great time. I said, I'm also trying the scouting stuff. He goes, oh, yeah, who are you, who are you scouting? This is your moment, right? And uh, I was like, and I forget his name, but some wide receiver on Oklahoma. And he goes, what do you think? And I said, I froze. Like, I didn't know anything about, and nothing about nothing. I just like totally pulled something out of my ass. And it was like, ah, I thought he had pretty good hands, pretty quick off the ball. Um, you know, um, thought, you know, ran a good route. He's like, huh, we didn't think that at all. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> I didn't know what to say, like, right? So the next like 10 minutes down the highway is just silence. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, this is where this ends. Um realized that probably maybe scouting wasn't in my uh it wasn't in my future. Um so anyway, that's how that internship ended and ended uh after that. But it, it's got an interesting story. And so then um that was for just for training camp, and I was lucky enough. On the operation side, me and my boss were like, we we got along great. And they actually asked me to go on a uh, road trip. So I went to Denver um, and like the team plane and everything. It was cool. Um, but the internship ended at the end of training camp, right? That I knew that going in. It's just kind of thing. That's how things happen, right? So I went home. No problem. We stayed in touch. Um, you know, I was looking for jobs. Didn't work out. Uh, but I went to the baseball winter meetings in 2004. Um, they have a giant job fair there. At least they did. The winter meetings, I guess, now have changed completely. Um, but they used to have a giant job fair, five, six hundred kids looking for jobs. And long story short, I um was offered three different jobs at the baseball winter meetings. One was with the New York Mets on the inside sales team. One was in a brand new ballpark in California for the Stockton Ports. And uh two was with Stockton Ports and three was with the lowest of low A teams in Battle Creek, Michigan, in the dumpiest ballpark maybe in America. And out of those three, I took the Battle Creek one. <laughs> um, why, did I, why did I take the Battle Creek one? Um, the inside sales job at the Mets felt weird, right? Like they were, it just didn't, it just didn't seem to work, right? Like I didn't really know, I don't know, it just didn't, the people that you were, I was going to work for, I don't even know their names. I don't even know who, who they are, any of that stuff anymore. So if they're listening, I don't, I apologize, kind of, um, is the, it just didn't feel right. Like, right. It just didn't feel right. Like you're almost going to be like this plug and play person. You're just going to bang out a bunch of stuff. And it like, didn't feel like they were going to teach me. It's just like, and I didn't really know that I wanted to sell that back. Um, Stockton, California though cool was way too far away. Right. Like I just, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't mature enough to make that decision. Like I told you, I may also, have Stockton, not LA. Like you think you're going to California? Not quite. Yeah. So uh, I didn't know that, 
but it just like it was off the table no matter what. So I was like, all right, Battle Creek, like that's kind of middle. Uh, I don't really know anybody, uh, but like the guy I interviewed with, I felt really comfortable with. And, you know, he treated me really well. Um, and I really liked and I really felt comfortable there. And uh, he hired me for sixteen one six thousand dollars uh, a year. And uh, I move. My mom was like, "You were gonna make how much? And you're gonna move where?" And I was like, "Yeah." Um, so I went to Battle Creek, Michigan. Uh, but on my way to Battle Creek, get this. So I'm on my way to Battle Creek, and from Mich- uh, from New Hampshire, where my parents were living at the time, to uh, Battle Creek. One of the ways to get there is like you go through New York and then go through a little Canada and kind of enter back into the United States in. Detroit, right? So I'm going, I'm in Canada and I have a cell, my flip phone, right? My little flip, my little flip cell phone. It rings. It's my boss from the Texans. And I was like, Hey, what's going on? And uh, he goes, Hey, our intern uh, who we had uh, for this coming season, right? Cause I'm moving in January. Uh, is in Canada, you're driving, driving January in Canada, man. One wonderful time, you know. What was that Horton's? Uh, you know, grab a couple of coffees, yeah, a couple (laughs) coffees from there. Uh, Tim Horton's, anyway. Uh, and I'm talking to him, and I I answered the phone. I was like, I can't imagine how expensive this is. Um, so I answer, and he's like, So, our intern for this coming season is not going, uh, going to stay. Uh, you got a full-time job doing whatever we want you. And I was like, I'm in the middle of moving my life, which is very little um, to Battle Creek, Michigan to work for the low A team of the Tampa Bay devil race, devil race. It was so long ago. And uh, they're like, he goes, all right, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And he like laughs. And then we basically hung off the phone. He's like, you're not going to go there. And I was like, I'll I'll call you back. I don't know what to do. So I was like, um, so I thought about it for a few days. And I said, as you're driving to Battle Creek, as I'm literally, I'm driving to Battle Creek. Now I've got this thought in my head. Like I could go to the Texans and just like take the interstate. Whatever. whatever, Yeah. Whatever interstate you were on. Just 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 go down. Right. Like I just take my stuff and go. But I thought about it for a few days and I said, no, I'm going, I made a commitment to the, this Battle Creek team and I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. And uh, when I called him and told him that he was so mad at me, Um, but you know, I stayed. So that was January in April's the draft, right? The NFL draft. So Charlie that draft was they had the Texans had the first pick overall. Charlie drafted Mario Williams and he drafted him early. And there on that in that draft was Reggie Bush along with uh Texas star Vince Will Vince Young, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess the ownership wanted either Reggie or Vince, and Charlie didn't. And to do it, he signed Mario Williams early. And then in June, everybody's fired. Good move. <laughs> so total like 
high road, low road. Um, and uh, that stayed in Michigan. So I stayed in Michigan for a couple of years. Um, I didn't want to sell. I didn't know I wanted to sell. I was not a very good salesperson in the beginning. I didn't know what it meant, right? Like I didn't, I, I didn't know, you know, I honestly did not know what it meant. And I would try and call people and do things. And I still remember my first sale in Battle Creek. I was selling groups. My job was to sell group tickets. And uh, I sold groups. And uh, I remember my first sale was uh, an Applebee's, um, an Applebee's in Coldwater, Michigan, a 20-person hospitality group. Um, and when the day came for that 20-person hospitality group, uh, they didn't show. <laughs> I was going to ask you what your first sale was. And that's, that's a great, yeah. Incredible uh, story. Cold water, Michigan, Applebee's there. Uh, and then they didn't show up for the event. Did they, did they pay? Uh, no. So I think they paid the deposit. <laughs> that's great. I mean, as you think about, look, I, I, I want to point out for the listeners, like every, everybody's GPS, everybody's story and journey you know, Rob, they look at you, hey, senior director of core partnerships with Celtics. Oh man, it must be, you know, great to be where he's at. And it must have been easy, you know, going to the, you know, whatever places <laughs> go, that he did to, to get there, right? It's not. And almost everybody, I say almost everybody, right? Like there's, there's people who get lucky and, you know, get their one job and, and stay, whatever. But for the most part, everybody's journey is so difficult, different interesting you have these decisions as you kind of just talk through us like you could have gone to the texans and you probably would have gotten fired right like there's all these different things along the way that you either don't see at the time you see later you um you know it's not as easy as you think whatever it might be yeah i think it's just like the one thing that i look back i don't know if it was stupidity or naivete right like i don't know you're just there so I just had my eyes open. Like I, I like wasn't committed to anything. Right. So like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. And I think whether it's stupidity, naivete, whatever that it is, like that was a good thing. So <clears throat> in Battle Creek, first year I was selling group tickets um, and I got, I started getting going. I remember I got called, Marty, Marty is the, uh, was the, GM of the of the team and one of my close close he is my mentor right like I got lucky and I found a mentor and it is Marty Cordero who's now the president in Omaha and um, Marty sat me down I was like I don't know I was there for two months and I didn't sell one ticket and he's like look man you got to figure this out right like you got to start doing things and I don't know I needed the kick in the butt and uh, then it started clicking and I was like all right I understand how this works so then I started selling advertising and sponsorships the next year. And I was like, this is way more fun, right? Like not the tickets selling tickets is bad, but for my personality, it just seemed to click a little bit more, right? Like um, it's a different sale as you well know. Uh, and I was like, I really like this. So then the team gets sold, Battle Creek gets sold. The ownership who owned Battle Creek is buying the AAA team in Omaha, Nebraska. They asked me to go to Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska is where my career really started going. Um, it was, I was still uh, doing corporate partnerships. I was the, you know, I was the on-field MC in Battle Creek. I was the on-field MC there um, and really started to build relationships, really started to understand what selling corporate partnerships was all about. Um, 
understand what's going on. And then had the great opportunity um, that in 2011, we opened up a brand new ballpark there. And Marty trusted me so much in 2010, he was so focused on building the new ballpark. He basically let me run the team in the old ballpark as he was trying to get running as he was, um, as he was focused in on building the ballpark. Talk about like life experience that he gave me and I'm what, six years into a career, right? Like I'm, I'm 28. Right. And it was wild. And I credit so much and I'm so thankful and appreciative. And Marty knows this. Um, of Marty, because without him and his guidance and his uh, love, his support, his uh, everything that he's done for me, like I get nowhere. Um, and so we built a new ballpark. We changed the name from the Omaha Royals to the Omaha Storm Chasers. And I was, you know, I was in all the meetings, right? Like I was in everything. Um, and learning that and doing that uh, was incredible. So that was, a, we did that, opened the ballpark in 11. Um, and then 2012, um, I was getting the itch. I was like, I think, you know, Marty started it. So, uh, I was like, I can, I, I feel like I can be a GM or a team president, right? Like I got this experience, like I can, I can do this. And, um, I saw that the Yankees AAA team in Scranton just let go of their team president. And, uh, I said, Marty, excuse me. Um, I was like, I want to go for this. He goes, all right, I'll, um, I'll help you. And I was like, all right. Like we were that close. We, we were like tight. Well, like I would on, have. Hold on real, real quick. Like that's an interesting conversation. And just a point in your career where you see a job you want and you go to your boss now, granted mentor and say, I basically, I don't want to leave, but I want to leave and I want to go here. How does that conversation happen? Like, how do you have that conversation? Uh, Mar- at that point, I, it's a great question. And I'm not sure I'm going to give a good answer. You got to understand the relationship with Marty and I, like I would go to his house for Thanksgiving, right? Like, um, you know, his parents and I, like, you know, we would, we, we like knew his family, like, the relationship that I had with Marty is way different than a typical still is way different than a typical boss employee relationship. He was like my father and we would argue like dad and petulant teenager, right? Cause at that time in my career, that's what I was. Um, and it's exactly what I needed. I needed a person to guide me. I needed a person, I was pretty, I'm not gonna lie. I was a very immature early in my career, uh, college person that wasn't professional in one iota at all. Right. Like I'm way more lucky than I was good. Um, and I needed Marty in my life. Like, I needed that. Who knows where I'd be without it. Um, so I just was always open with him, and I, he was like, all right, you, we can, I'll reach out and we'll see what's going on. So we reach out and um, they say, all right, you know, put, put the resume in, blah, blah, blah. So it's a guy with Larry Friedman, who's now the president of LAFC, and a guy named Art Maiden, who's another spectacular human being. And uh, they're like, all right, we'll give Rob a, we'll give Rob a shot. Come to find out, 
there was like 140 applicants or something like that to the job. I was like 141, right? Like, we'll do it because it's Marty, but this guy's got no shot. And it's like, don't give me an, don't give me a chance. And I prepped for the phone call with Art and Larry more than I prepped for any college test, anything in my entire life. Uh, I prepped for that call. Like a half hour, 45 minute call lasted two plus hours, right? We just hit it off, right? Like you don't know. And I remember Larry goes to me, uh, you know, I'm originally from outside of Boston or whatever. And uh, he goes, who do you got in the bean pot this weekend? I said, be you. And he goes, without hesitation, be you. He goes, why do you got be you? I said, because you're an alum. <laughs> and, right. And he was just like, all right, like this guy prepped for this. Like, and I went from 142 to getting the job. And uh, uh, I was 31, I think, 30 or 31 when I got that job. Um, and what the whole point of that job was to rebrand a franchise and build a new ballpark. Um, and that's what we did. So I built, was part of building, I didn't swing a hammer, uh, part of building two new ballparks in three years. Um, and I was looking back on that Scranton job. Uh, I was there for three years. Um, I was way too immature to be able to take that job. Um, I kind of sold my way to be able to do it. Um, you know, I look back and I did so many dumb things, but I learned so many, so much. Maybe I just look at it negatively. Um, but like it was total wild times, wild, wild, wild times. And I wish I knew then what I know now or whatever that phrase is. Um, and, but then, so Scranton was cool. I was in Omaha for six years, right? Scranton was for three years. Then new ownership came, come in. Um, so it was owned by Mandalay baseball. They owned like six or seven teams and they divested all their minor league teams and a new ownership comes in and how close Marty and I were. And, uh, then that was seamless transition to art and Larry. Like there's some people in the world you just don't click with. Right. And this was one of those situations. And, uh, I got canned. Um, and that was devastating i was devastated right like um it was bad uh, i was devastated uh, I, I, got, I got another saying for you because this and this one comes from andy dolich who's one of our co-hosts and he'll say you're fired now what yeah right, right. like okay what now and you know what's next and and you kind of you take whatever you need to learn from it right and then you move on and and i think everybody recognizes like at some point in their career at one point or another, it, it's going to happen to you. you. Whether you want, whether you like it or not, more or less, it's going right. to. That, that, there's a lot of truth to that. So you got fired. Now what? Great question. It took me a bit to figure it out. I was so angry um, about it. And I get this like giant chip on my shoulder type stuff. Um, so I was searching for jobs and I started, you know, everyone who gets fired kind of starts their own consulting business. So I did the same thing. Um, and I reached out to the owners of Omaha and they're like, yeah, like, uh, we're trying to bring a G, uh, NBA G, uh, G league team. I think it was the D league at the time to Omaha. And I need someone to help me put together, like, would this work in Omaha? You know, Omaha, 
And that was, holy cow, did I learn a lot there. And like, it was the nicest, kindest thing from our owner um, ever. Like he didn't have to do that and paid a little bit. Um, and it was, it was great. Um, and those, so those relationships mattered when I was down in the dumps the most ended up not doing it, but like we went to New York city to like talk to the NBA about a potential team, right? Like it was a thing. And then I had another minor league owner looking to buy other teams that they asked me like, Hey, can you put together some, uh, you know, spreadsheets on like, should we acquire this team? Let's look at some of the numbers. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And that was cool. There was a, I worked for Samsung for a little bit. They were trying to get uh, video boards into minor league baseball stadiums, and they needed introductions to some of these teams that were building new things. I raised my hand. I was like, hey, I can do that for you. And this is all just on relationships that I was kind of pulling from. And then the white whale in this whole thing was uh, the Pawtucket Red Sox. It was in the news frequently that they were trying to build a new ballpark in Providence, Rhode Island. And, um, I, and, uh, that Larry Lucchino, who was the CEO of the Red Sox was trying to buy the team. And I was like, this is what I got to figure out. So I asked Art, I said, I want to really reach out to Larry. And he goes like, okay, let's write an email. Let's write a note and go. And he goes, all right. And I'll find out what, uh, his email address is. And I was like, okay, no problem. Um, so he did all that, found all that. So you're like typing this thing and you're nervous as hell. I don't know Larry, right? Like I didn't have a warm introduction. I had nothing, nothing. <coughs> Excuse me. So I reach out and I have this thing. I got this email address and I hit send. I was like, all right, see how this goes. Undelivered. He responds in two minutes. Oh, Right. He responds in two minutes. And in your email address, I don't know, man. I got when I saw the name Larry Lucchino pop up, and I was like, holy cow, he responded. <laughs> now what? Right? Like, <laughs> so he responded and uh he was like, you know, thanks for reaching out. Yeah, we're not uh we haven't bought the team yet, but you know, let's talk later. And uh so we talked in May. I, he's like, I'll invite you to a game. So I went to like Larry Lucchino's suite at Fenway Park. And I was like, holy, like, this is wild to me right now. And we had a great conversation. And he's like, all right, I want you to meet our CFO in July. And I was like, all right. And the CFO was like grilling me on like numbers and like my things and like grilling me. And I hit every one of them. I was like, yeah, this is what we should do. This is blah, blah, blah. This is why I think this and then uh, they're like, okay, you can work for us, but it's a consulting gig. It starts in August, ends in, ends in December. We'll reassess after. I said, great, give me a chance and we'll be all right. So for that, I was still living in Scranton. So from August, uh, so I would leave my house on Monday mornings at 5 a.m. It would take me five hours to drive from Scranton to Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I would get on Monday mornings. I would get in at 10 a.m. right after driving five hours. Then I would stay in a hotel um, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And I would either leave 
like after work Thursday or stay Thursday night and leave like, you know, kind of middle of the day Friday and then just do it all over again. And I did that for seven months. And um, so how many books did you listen to the, in the car and how many calls did you make? I mean, I, I, that's, I, I, that's a different sacrifice right there. That was a sacrifice that I did. But I also think con- just, for context, you had you family at the time. Dude. No, no. So no, actually, I did not. I was okay. uh, it was we did not have uh, I was I'm married, uh, but no kids at the time. OK. Um, and uh, yeah, that's still that was that was that was it was tough. But I was like, I'm getting this right. Like I, I we're, we're doing this. So luckily in December, um, you know, they offered me a vice president role of, uh, you know, basically tickets and sponsorships and, you know, whatever that it was. And I was like, all right, let's go. And then we moved to Rhode Island and uh, that grew into, you know, overseeing uh, all the revenue. Um, and uh, so then we built. Uh, so what happened? So then COVID happened. Right. So like we we're trying to get a new ballpark built. The Providence thing fell apart. We we're trying to get a new one in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. That one fell apart. And we ended up going to Worcester, Massachusetts, probably the greatest thing that ever happened to the franchise. Um, and I was a part of that too, right? Like built a new ballpark and, uh, you know, rebrand the franchise from Pawtucket to Worcester. Um, I was not as much involved in the rebrand in this one as previous ones, but that was okay because what we were doing in, on the business side was wild. Um, and build a new ballpark, you know, involved there. It was great. And then um, open up the new ballpark. And you know, got and for, it through. And for context, Rhode Island falls apart. It's during the pandemic, and you decide to move again, or are you driving? What are you? What are you doing there? I'm driving. I'm driving. I've I've moved in this house that I'm living in right now, in uh, since 2000. You know, when we moved here, right? So like, I've lived here for about seven years. Um, and uh, so then we're moving to Worcester. Worcester's only an hour away, right? It's it. So the ball from my house. Pawtucket was like 15 minutes and this was like 40, right? So it wasn't the end of the world. Um, and we built this brand new spectacular ballpark. It was, it's incredible. Like Larry Lucchino and Janet Marie Smith, um, they are just the best at this, right? Like they did, they changed the game way back when on like, you know, there was three river stadium and like these concrete circles with giant parking lots around it. They said, no, 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 there's a better way to do this. And then they built this little thing called Camden yards, right? Like the chain quick plug, quick plug. We've had Janet Marie Smith on before. I just She's not going to know the, the number of episode off the top of my head, but go back and listen to it. It's fascinating to your point. Camden yards. She kind of talks through just the whole process again. Fascinating. Fascinating. So Janet Marie, your podcast, also Janet Marie uh, on our podcast too. There you go. Um, so anyway, um, working with them and understanding what that was, was just incredible, right? You just learn a, and a stuff stressful and don't get me wrong. It wasn't all sunshine and roses. Um, but, you know, we were able to open that, you know, that was the third ballpark I did in 10 years. Um, so then it got to a point where now I have two kids. I'm driving and, you know, I'm driving all this. And minor league baseball, you work all the games, right? And like, I was, I think they gave me the title of chief revenue officer, but like it's 4th of July in 2021 in the brand new ballpark, which is a beautiful place, spectacular place. 
and it's raining and it's like 50 degrees and I'm backpack blowing fireworks debris off the field. Right. I'm just like, it's midnight. I was like, there's gotta be a better way to get through life. Right. Like there's got, there's just gotta be a better way to get through life. And uh, so I was like, all right, we got to do something. And um, I was able to, uh, there was a job posted on LinkedIn and it was called regional director of global partnerships with top golf. And they were looking for someone in the Northeast and uh, that job would oversee all their partnerships on the Northeast. And I was like, I raised my hand, put my application in. Um, and there was somebody in my network who made a phone call and like, Hey, you need to talk to Rob. And that gave me, not going to lie, the breather that I needed. I was burnt out of minor league baseball. I, I did it for 17 years. Um, I, at the time, I had two kids. And the Top Golf job was like, you know, big, gigantic, growing super brand, right? Um, incredible brand. And you get to work from your basement. And like now there's, you know, there's unlimited vacation and like, uh, you know, summer's off. And it was like, wow, this is. This is what I need. And I did that. And Top Golf's an incredible organization, right? They're growing like wildfire. Uh the uh and it was it was really it's a it's a great brand. It's a great brand. Um, and that was fun. But I will say this. It was like selling a bar, though, right? Like Top Golf is all about entertainment, right? You uh right, you go there, you drink, you eat, and you hit a few golf balls. It was not sports, it wasn't sports, um, which I didn't love. Um, and I didn't realize I didn't love that. And then like the Celtics, uh, I was having lunch with a former colleague of mine and that colleague for just, he's a good buddy of mine. And he was like, Hey, did you hear that? The, uh, Celtics, one of the senior people in the core partnerships departments leaving. Nope. And, uh, I got to know the Celtics a little bit, uh, pre pandemic. And, uh, I'd stay in touch with them during the pandemic, just like shoot a note occasionally would said like, Hey, so you did a deal. Congratulations, Bubba. Um, and I sent him a note and I was like, Hey, I saw that you, this person left. Um, you know, I'd like to raise my hand. I miss the, uh, I miss sports, right? Like I do, I, cause this isn't really sports though. I'm having a great time and successful, you know, want to get back in They're like, cool, let's talk. And, uh, went through the process there and, um, was lucky enough to be able to get the job uh, with Celtics. So I've been with the Celtics for uh, since April. Um, so coming up on a year and a little bit. So uh, that's, that's the, that's what, that's how you get to 18 or 19 years in, uh, you know, how long have we been talking? That's, that's the GPS. Yeah. 40 minutes. I mean, look, you had to know that two podcast hosts together. were not going to keep this. Uh, it, it's probably. Oh, geez, oh man. I was just ran. I was just going. So no, it's, no, this is great. But I think, Look, the perspective for those listening, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, is like there's all these different bumps in the road. You don't know which direction something's going to take you. And to your point about a, whether it's the GM coming and sitting down next to you because you're wearing a same T-shirt or you're going to lunch with a buddy, <laughs> right? Like you, you don't really know how things happen. And there isn't a rhyme or reason necessarily. It's just like you, you take advantage of the opportunities when they present themselves. What's the biggest lesson though that you've learned along that that GPS, that journey of hey, like moving forward through the next 25 years of my career, I need to make sure I think about this. Your brand, your personal brand matters. So Marty, 
right? He brings this guy in during our Omaha, during our time in Omaha. And it's like this, I, don't, I wouldn't call him a motivational speaker, but like, I don't know, like a business speaker. And he goes, the thing that will matter to your most matter to you most in your career is your personal brand. When someone thinks of you, they say, he's like Jake Hirschman. What are the first things that they say about Jake? Right. And if you stop and think about that, and you're like, all right, what are the first things that someone would say about Rob Crane? The positives and the negatives. And if you focus on like, all right, I've got to really improve that. If you're honest with yourself, honest with yourself, and you're able to adjust some of those things, then when I got fired in Scranton, right? Like I had a good personal brand with the owners in Omaha, with the people that I used to work with that would help me get with a job with uh, Samsung, that my old owner that would help me reach out to Larry Lucchino, right? Like my personal brand mattered when it needed most. Does that make sense? And that is because your personal brand leads then to relationships. And if as long as it's genuine, as long as it's authentic and you are constantly trying to improve, you're going to, that will lead to better outcomes. You know, Larry would always hammer me and say, Larry, so Larry Lucchino is a Yale educated lawyer. He was in the same class as Hillary Clinton. They worked on freaking Watergate together. Okay. Larry's like the thing. And so Larry is a stickler on writing and he expects perfection when you write and grammar and tone. And I sucked at all of those. So Larry would get so mad at me um, when I would write to him in emails and he would just because what i would write he didn't consume the way that i was saying i was probably more conversational and that stifled many of my because he just didn't it's like ah not smart enough right like that's how larry talks um so i had to be like all right man like you've got to figure this out because this is what he expects so make the adjustment so that was one of the things that i worked very hard on is like, all right, how do I, I'm far from Yale educated law school, right? Like, how do I take that little Springfield college education and then like turn it into something that, you know, Larry Lucchino can consume. And I worked my ass off on trying to be able to be better at that. Well, I think writing is one of those interesting things that look for better or for worse. It's not you know, everybody kind of writes in 140 characters now of some sort or well, text, or, right? Like, and there's a very, there's a very big difference of what is a professional email look like? What is a, and, and, and what are the words you use and how, like, how do you phrase things and all of that, right? Versus quick text or however people can. Totally. And also like, don't forget, like you're in professional life now. You're typing all the time. You're not talking as much as you used to. Like if you're in a sales role, you're like sending LinkedIn messages. You send emails all day long. Like the cold call is like, you don't like pick up, like if you pick up the phone, who are you calling? Like, are they in the office? Right? Like I'm in my house. Like what are we talking about? Cell phone numbers are not readily available. Right. Yeah. You're not like picking up the yourself. Like it just doesn't, it's, it's. 
it's different, right? So uh, not, I guess same vein is like be a great writer and know the time to be casual, know the time to be professional, and know what to say because those words matter. Love it. When you think about what's motivated you throughout your career, and we'll we'll start to wrap up with this, is uh, everybody's motivated by something different, right? You're in the sales world now, and and what motivates people in sales roles is different than what motivates people in ops roles or or leadership roles or whatever it might be. And when you think about where your journey started as that intern who wanted to scout, right? And you you know you think like, oh, I'm putting this team together. Uh, here's, you know, here are the players you need. Here's how much you got to pay them. You know, you, you, you kind of go down that rabbit hole, right. Of, of how do you construct a roster? It's the same thing on the business side. What do I need? Who's, how are they going to produce? What skills do they have? How much do I need to pay them? What's my budget, right? All those different things, a little different amount of zeros, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when you, when you think about what motivates people, what's motivated you throughout your career. And then how is that perspective changed as you've had to then build teams i think each place has motivated me differently right like there was a different task to accomplish right like i was young running a uh you know uh, with in omaha i was like all right i want to be able to show that i can do this right i want to prove marty right um and then i guess especially now as in with the celtics I spent 17 years in minor league baseball. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes minor league baseball guys get this little thing of like, oh, minor league baseball, two, two, like, all right. You know, I get this thing called my wife. Uh, I call it F you watch me. Right. Like, um, so right now I'm, I'm motivated to say like, I can play in the big leagues um, as well or as better or better than, than most. And um, I'm very motivated to prove currently uh, that I can, uh, that I can play in the big leagues here and then prove myself. And then who knows where it goes from there. Um, but I'm, I'm very motivated to show like what, what I can do. Um, and <clears throat> that, uh, the minor league, uh, the minor league side of it is just like, all right. Yeah, good. Good. Don't believe, don't, don't think that I could do this now. F you watch me. Now, if I if I dig in just a little bit deeper, right? Please. Like there's, a, there's a why behind that, right? Like, is it the external gratification? Is it the internal gratification of knowing that you can you can accomplish a challenge that you want that you set out to accomplish, right? Versus someone else's challenge or the perceived notion of being able to do X, Y, Z. Like, what's the why? I am a competitive junkie, right? Like. Uh, my my why is that I want to show that I can do it, and um, I and I think, but more so if I go even deeper, right? Like that's just like how to put a number on a board. But if you were like, all right, why do I want to work in sports, or why do I want to do this? I'm going to tell you my why, and it happened last Friday. I had a potential prospect come down, and she was bringing her five year old son down to the game, and uh, we had a great time. Uh, we took, uh, we, we went, got there early. We went down on the court. We, they, you know, watched warmups, uh, took a picture on center court. Um, and we just like had a great time. They have these incredible memories um, at this thing. He was not, you know, he didn't know what he wanted. And he was like decked out in all Celtics gear. I got the kindest, 
uh, and he just had so much fun. The, the, the mom had so much fun. Um, goes back to school the next day, all decked out in sees gear. And that memory that I, that, that memory that I made that I was a part of making along with my colleagues in that moment, that kid and that mom will have forever, right? Whether we do business or not, that moment you can only get doing what we do in life. And sometimes you take that for granted. And maybe I had to go to Top Golf or whatever to to realize that you know this is not something to take for granted. My why is right in that moment. Is right in that moment. And if business comes from that, fantastic. But I don't do it for the business. I do it for that moment. And um, then we throw some competitive juices on uh, on it to be able to put a uh, uh, to be in sales or whatever. Then it works out great. But like the why, why? is that moment right there. And I want to create more of those because they get like high off of it. I love that. Cause I think, you know, naturally, right. The why and the, the sports is the, you know, this deal or that deal and, and the, the coolness factor. Right. But I think to your, your point, like for all, you know, that five-year-old could work for you one day and how cool would that be to have that story come back? Right. Like, and I, and granted, I, I don't remember a whole lot of things when I was five, but you know, maybe they do. Right. So I think it's, it's interesting. I love for you, you know, I love that you kind of dove deeper for, for that one. Um, all right. As we wrap up the episode, rapid fire, you ready? Ready. Let's go. Ballpark that you haven't visited that you want to go to. Oh, great question. I think it's probably a newer one. You know what? Actually, no. I'm going to lie. I'm going to tell you something else. I want to go to one of those crazy Korean games. Do you ever see those things? Right. Or those crazy Dominican games that are like where they're dancing and they got all kinds of stuff going on. That's what I want to go to. Are you a fan of banana ball? So we had Jesse Cole on as a, um, as a guest. Um, I'm not going to, so that interview, I was hoping for more, like I wanted to argue with him a little bit. He didn't really want to do that. So it's kind of, have you ever done an interview that just doesn't go the way that you think? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hopefully not this one, but no. like uh, that one was just one of these interviews. So like on front office features, like we interviewed him, didn't go as well as I thought it would have, but uh, uh, we made it work. Uh, but anyway, do I like it? As, just a major, as a baseball, as someone who spent a lot of time in baseball, right? Like it's fun, right? I appreciate the fun. In my opinion, it's the Harlem Globetrotters, right? It is the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball, which is great, right? Which is great, which is a very fun product. I think he probably does it even better than the Globetrotters. Uh, that's a fun product. Um, and it's fun, right? Like, I can't argue fun. And that's just fun. What is one brand that you've gotten to work with over the years that you're like, wow, didn't know that about that company? Like, just fascinating business. Fascinating business a brand that I got to polar beverages, right? Like when we did the naming rights in there, I knew nothing about like how that all worked. Family run organization, like touring the plants and everything. Polar beverages. Interesting. Uh, last one for you. If you could name a new minor league team, yeah, what would it be? So I wanted to name the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders the Scranton Wilkesbury Trolley Frogs, and I will never let that die. 
the trolley. That trolley what, does that, what does that logo look like? It was a, we did it as a what if night the next year and it was awesome. So a trolley, so the electric trolley was invented in Scranton and a trolley frog is actually a piece that attaches the trolley to the overhead cable. And that connection is called the trolley frog. And <clears throat> that's what I wanted to name it. Um, you know, it was a vote process and all that stuff, but like, that's the one that we all wanted. Um, it didn't work out that way. Uh, but I wanted the name, the trolley frogs and I stand by that. All right. So, so real quick follow up, how many names go on the whiteboard in order to choose a name of a team? Hundreds, like hundreds, all kinds of different names. And then it's like a process to be able to get it down because like you got some trademark issues, um, and you got website issues, you've got all kinds of different things that get into like you start going on urban dictionary and it's like all right like the, what the can website we do? domains <laughs> Web, there's website domains um yeah we uh yeah it was uh it, so it's it's a it's a process to go through um shoot we could do a one other episode on that That's... yeah the brandios guys we did it with brandios jason klein and casey white um uh, all three all three of them and all three rebrands and uh they know it better than anybody like um but yeah they they uh they did it great they, they they do it the best they do it absolutely the best fascinating well uh that that's episode number two we will talk about renaming rebranding how do you come up with names but uh rob just really appreciate your time uh on the life in the front office podcast uh incredible gps to your journey uh um, gps i'm stealing the phrase stealing I, it if it, if it occurs elsewhere on front front office features, you heard it here. But uh, no, really appreciate the time, perspectives, insights, and uh, look forward to having you on again in the near future. Yeah, man. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. And follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to get your... 15% off Suja on sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And check in every Monday each week for a new episode, new guest, and new content.